Okay, so here's the deal. They're telling me that we're uh, mostly full. There are people still uh, coming in. So here's what we need you to do. This is the center, and if, if you look toward the center and there are any empty seats on the side of you toward the center, just get up and move over. Get up, move over, make so that we can see. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so we do have a few more, okay, and, and we can help people uh, get in today on the deal. So here's the thing. Uh, we're in a series and we, we've been talking together about what, is it, what does it mean to be a disciple of uh, Jesus Christ? And we said, look, here's the deal. Most of us, if, if we were left to our own devices, uh, would end up being casual in, in our faith. We, if, if you and I could decide, let's just be honest, if you and I could decide, you, you and I would serve Jesus in, in a way that left you and me comfortable. That you and I could say, look, look, it, it, it doesn't cost too much. It doesn't, in, it doesn't intrude in my life too much. And, you know, as long as, as long as I can keep sipping Starbucks and sit in my theaters, I'm okay following Jesus. But you get the call of Christ is never that. And, and, that, and that Jesus can, will never be satisfied as long as, as He is just something that we add on to our lives, that, that, that he, He's not willing to say, look, you've got your career, and you've got your family, and, 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 and you've got your entertainment, and, and then you've got your Jesus, and, and I'm, just, I'm just one of many options going on in your life. Jesus will never be satisfied being <laughs> one of many options. He'll only be satisfied when He is our life. So here's the deal, that we see, and we said this together last week, and, and that is, look, most Christians go through the casual Christian phase. This, it, it happens. This is, this is what you do. You just try to figure out, how do, how do I fit this Jesus in amongst everything else that I do? But what you got to get is, this may be a phase, it, it just can never be a destination. Jesus will never leave you here. And, and, and what will begin to happen in your life is that all of a sudden you'll be going, I don't, I don't get it, man. This just, this just feels like discipline. I, I, I just feel like I'm getting spanked all over the place, and I don't, I don't even know that I've done anything wrong. I don't, I don't get it. And it's simply Jesus saying, you can't stay casual about me. You can't, you can't serve me from there. You'll have moments in your life where there'll be just an incredibly deep sense in your heart that says, there's something next. There's, there's something that's supposed to be happening, and whether that's a relationship in your life or whether that's a, a new job assignment, or, or you'll, just, you'll just have a sense. There's something that's supposed to be next, and I just can't get the answer. I just, it's just as if God just refuses to tell me what's next, and you'll be right. Because what God will be saying in that moment is, look, look, you haven't paid the price to be a disciple yet. I can't trust you with what's next. You haven't even done what I gave you so far yet. And what you need to know is, is that this place, the place of the casual, will always end up deeply unsatisfying and deeply frustrating. And Jesus will not, will not, will not leave you here. That He will constantly be coming to you and calling to you and saying, Get up. Get up and follow me. And, and guys, you get it, and this is the reason we're hesitant. Anytime you follow Jesus, it always leads to a cross. 
But here's, here's what you and I have got to know today. This is untenable. You can't stay here. You will ultimately go one way. You will either get up and decide to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, or you will get up and you will turn and walk away and say, look, I'm done with this Jesus thing. It just, it just doesn't work. This is never a destination. At the very most, it can be a season in a disciple's life. So we're just going to unpack a little bit more uh, and just ask ourselves, what, it, what would it be like? I mean, what would it mean? What would it mean if you and I today decided to get up? What would it mean? What would it take if you and I decided to take just the first step in this journey? What if, what if we just did the first thing to move toward discipleship? What would that look like? What would that mean to us? And I just want to say this out loud. I get it. I get that we've got people in this room today who you're pre-Jesus. You, you just haven't even figured Jesus out. And you go, this is, this is a strange conversation. I don't, I don't even know what I think about God yet. And look, it's okay. It's okay. And, and you're right. Probably the majority of the conversation we're going to have today is focused at people who've already made that decision in their life and their heart. But you're going to get an honest answer. You're going to get that if you ever do give your life to Jesus Christ, that the next thing he's going to say is, give me all of it. Not just part of it, give me all of it. Get up from where you are and follow me. And at least you'll know what you're getting into. So here we go. Grab your Bible today. We're just going to have this discussion. What, is it, what would it mean to take that first step? What, what is that thing that would be required to truly begin to become a disciple of Christ and not just a casual follower. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 16. And if you're not real familiar this morning, if if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew. It's the first book of what we call the New Testament of the Gospels. It's Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. This is Jesus talking about this very topic. What what does it mean to be my uh, disciple? It's Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Here's what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anyone gets serious about that, this is what it's going to look like. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, Jesus just gives, he really just kind of prescribes, he gives us three steps. He says, okay, if you're going to follow me, there's three things that are going to happen in your life. This is what it means. This is what, this is what transforms you and me from a casual Christian to a disciple. And he says it's three things. First thing, deny yourself. Second, take up your cross, follow me. Here's what I find interesting. (laughs) Jesus says the first thing, the the thing, the most important thing about becoming a disciple is going to be dying to yourself. Because, guys, here's here's the deal. The biggest hindrance, the biggest hindrance to you and I... (laughs) being sold out to Jesus, to being a fully committed follower to Jesus, is us. You and I are the biggest problem. We, you and I are the thing that's in the way 
of being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And Jesus said, look, if you're going to begin this journey, the first thing you and I will deal with is you, because you are the biggest hindrance to being my disciple. So let me ask you this question. What is it? What is it about us that, that longs for the comfort that, that, just, that just immediately recoils when Jesus says, come, follow me? Well, what is it that causes such deep pause in our hearts? And what, what is it that, that keeps us from following the one who did so much for us? So we're going to go one more passage. Grab your Bibles again, because Jesus dealt with this. Jesus already had this conversation just a couple pages back. It's Matthew chapter 13, and this is Jesus talking about why denying myself, why getting past myself is so incredibly hard for every one of us. And yet it's the first step in being a disciple. Here it is. It's, it, you have to hang with me a little bit. It's a fairly long passage. It's Jesus talking in a parable, and if you've been around church very much at all, you know that a parable is a story that he tells that has a deeper spiritual truth uh, to it. Here's what he says. It's Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. The same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake, and such a large crowd gathered around him that when he got into a boat and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore... And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell among rocky places and where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they didn't have any root. And other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell among good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And Jesus gets done telling this parable, telling this story, and his disciples look at him and go, what? 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 I thought we were talking discipleship. I thought we were talking following you. I didn't know we were talking crops. And then Jesus goes on, verse 18, to explain the parable. Here's what he says. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but then were the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received that fell on, gra- on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown in his life. He says, look, here, here's the deal. Everybody, everybody who begins this thing is going to fall in one of 
these categories. Every one of us is, is going to wrestle with one of these things, one of these soils in our life. He, be, he begins the conversation saying, look, there's going to be some people who just don't get the gospel at all. I, the, the reality is that in the midst of having the conversation, in the midst of me telling them that I'm from God and I'm Savior and I came here to change the their hearts are just going to be hard. They, they just aren't going to hear it at all. And when they don't hear it and when they don't receive it, you just need to know that the enemy will eventually come and just snatch it away. So here's, here's the deal. Some of us in this room, and I, I, some of us in this room are still trying to figure out Jesus. Could you do this with honesty? Could you, could you just say, look, 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 I, I'm trying to figure out God and I'm trying to investigate, but, but I'm not going to do this with a hard heart. I'm not going to do this with my arms crossed and my jaw already set and saying, prove it. Because, God, let's be honest, you already know coming to this that there's going to come a moment when it's going to require some faith. You're going to have to decide what you believe. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you, would you come with a soft heart? Would you simply come and examine it honestly? Don't come preconceived. Don't come already rejecting. Would you just simply come and say, look, if it's real, then I want it. If it's not real, then I don't. But would you come with soft soil? That if it were real, it could find a place in your life. It could find root in you. Please, 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 if you're trying to figure out Jesus, don't be the hard path. At least be fair in the conversation. But then Jesus goes on and he says, but there are those who are going to receive this. There's those who the, are, the seed is going to fall in their lives. Something's going to happen. They're going to change. They're going to become Christians, but they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it as disciples. And guys, here's anything we're saying. We're not talking about whether they make it as Christians. The reality is once you become a Christian, you're a Christian. He's just saying they'll never make it to the disciple. They'll, they'll, they'll never follow this thing all the way through. They'll, at some point, they will walk away. They'll give up doing this. And he begins to describe those soils. So go back with me to the passage. It's verse 21. Actually, I'm sorry, it's verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, the one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when troubles come or persecution because of the word, he quickly falls away. He said, look, there, there are some of us, and in our life, our life is just, it, it's, it, it's filled with hard spots. See, it's, it, it's filled with, with places that, that we say, look, I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm not letting God into that part of my life. I mean, there are some parts of my life that I'm open to, and I'd consider that's the good soil. But I'm already coming to this thing, this following Jesus thing, saying there's places, God, you can't go. Rocky soil. See, here, here, here's what this this Christian would say, say, look, <laughs> trust God? Trust, are, are, are you kidding? Trust God with my career? <laughs> he might make me a pastor or something. He could run my life. Try, trust God with my dating relationship? Are you kidding? He'd probably make me date a goober Christian. 
At the very least, I was hoping for a cool Christian. Are you, trust God. Are you, and, and you just need to know there are some who come to follow Jesus and just go, look, no, no, no. There are places in my life that I will never, never know. No. He can have some. He's just not going to have that because I can't trust him. Some of us come to Jesus, and, and the hard spot is, I'm the boss of me. You ever hear kids say that to you? Three-year-old looks you in the eyes and goes, I'm the boss of me. What do you want to do to that kid? After they get up off the floor? <laughs> I just wonder if Jesus feels that way about this too. When you and I sit in that moment, and, and he's trying to speak into our lives, he's trying to talk about, and, you, and I go, Jesus, just stop it. I'm the boss of me. And, and look, there's, there's certain places you can go, and there's certain places, I'm, but there's places, no, 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 because I'm the boss of me. See, this is going to be the interesting thing within this discussion, is that some of us sitting in this room might all of a sudden go, oh my goodness, he's describing me. I'm, I'm the rocky soil Christian. Some of us in the room that say, here's, here's the deal. Um, I'm willing for God to do, you know, some things in my life, but here's, if I, I'm smarter than God. And, and it, here, God, God, God didn't understand my circumstances. He, he didn't get my parents. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand my wife. Be loving to my wife? You ready for this? Respect my husband. Are you kidding me? And I'm just going to tell you, I am smarter than God on this topic. On this issue, I'm just telling you, God doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. It's much more complex than the simplicity of the Bible and the simple answers of Scripture. And so here's the deal. I, there's no way I can trust God in that part of my life because honestly, in that part of my life, I am smarter than God. You're a rocky soil Christian. I'm five years old, and my parents were entertaining at our house, and um, they were sitting at the kitchen table doing whatever it is that adults do when they entertain and have people at the house. And I get done playing, and I come around the corner, and uh, there they are sitting at the table eating something green. Now, here's the deal. I'm just going to tell you, if you're a five-year-old kid, here's what you know. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever eat anything green. It's just, it's adult food. Don't ever eat anything green. Spinach, lima beans, peas. And as I come around the corner and they're eating this green thing, my dad says to me, hey, Lynn, try this. I'm going, no way. There is no way. And on closer examination, not only is it green, it's also red. Now, when's the last time you saw red food? And I just said, there's just, there's just no way. And my dad says, no, 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 it's really, really, really good. Here's what my five-year-old mind said. <laughs> no way I'm trusting you. 
Because here's the deal. It's green, and I am smarter than you. You don't, you don't understand what my taste buds are like. You just don't, you don't get the moment. And so I looked my dad back in the eyes, and I said, no! My dad, in a moment of parenting brilliance, leapt up from his chair and began to chase me through the house. He caught me, wrestled me to the ground, and stuck within my mouth the vile adult food. Hmm. Anybody know what he gave me? Watermelon. Water. I'm going, man, no way. No way I can trust you with that, Dad. No, no way. I mean, that, that is so clear. Every bit of my experience says it is green, it is wrong, and no, and I'm smarter than you. No. I, please, please tell me. Please tell me that God doesn't have to wrestle you to the ground to give you watermelon. And I, here we, I, I, you get that every one of these, every one of these hard spots in your heart where you're saying, God, look, 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 I can't trust you with that. I'm smarter than you are about that. You would ruin me if I let you have that. Is it possible that every one of those areas is a blessing that you and I are missing? Because our hearts are hard. And you and I have got rocky soil. See, here, here's, here's how you'll know. Here's how you'll know if you're a rocky soil Christian. Because you're giving your life to Jesus in bits and pieces. See, if, if, if you were really honest today, you'd say, look, here, here's, here's where I'm at. I, 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 think, I think I'm on my way to be a disciple, but here's how I'm navigating discipleship. I, I, I've given God... Give them my kids. All right, I'll give them my kids. All right, kids. All right, I'll give them my marriage. I was making a mess of that one anyways. All right. Finances? <laughs> I'm not giving. See, here's the deal. I, I couldn't trust God with my. I mean, do you realize what God would probably do with my finances if I gave my finances? My career? My job? I'm, so here's what we'll do, God. We'll let these two places, my kids and, and my family, we'll let those be the test cases, and we'll, and we'll see how you do with that. We'll see how you behave there, God. And if, and if you do that on a commendable way, if you, just, if you do that, you ready, in a way that is acceptable to me, then, then maybe I would consider trusting you with some other piece of my life. You get what Jesus is saying. You're not a disciple. You're not a disciple. You're a rocky soil Christian. Years ago, I, uh, I had a kid in my youth group, and we'll just call him Jake. 
He was a brilliant kid. He was one of those kids that they kept moving the cup head in grades because he was excelling every other kid in his class. So finally he ended up in high school and he was like that tall, you know. And, and, and if you ever met Jake, you just go, this kid has just got so much of his life together. I mean, this kid is just so brilliant. If, if he would ever come alive to Jesus, if he would ever just give his heart to Jesus, I mean, what this guy could probably do for the, I mean, amazing. I never got there. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, Jake was a rocky soil Christian. There, there was always a part of his life that he just said, no, 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 I'm smarter than God. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even consider trusting God for that. You know, and the crazy part was, here was this brilliant guy, and everybody who knew him, people that weren't even close to being as intelligent or sharp as watched him make blow-out mistake after blow-out I mean, it was almost like you looked and you said, what's the dumbest thing you could do from here? And Jake did it to this day. He's 40 years old. His life is just a mess. He walked away from serving Jesus a long time ago. Because here's the answer. Jesus already knew it. It's what he was telling us. You can't be my disciple and be a rocky soil Christian. See, here's the deal. There'll come a moment. There'll come a moment when following me is hard, and there'll come a moment when what I say to you doesn't make any sense, and there'll come a moment when the sun will get there, and you won't have root. You won't be deep enough in this thing because you've got too many hard places in your life, too many unsurrendered moments, and, he's, and, and you'll wither. And you'll walk away. You just, if you're in the room today and you're a rocky soil follower of Christ, you won't make it. Jesus gives another example. So back to the passage. Verse 22. He says there's a different type of Christian. There's a different type of follower who will never quite be a disciple. He says there's one who received the seed and that fell among the thorns. Uh, the man who hears the word, but the worries of life... The deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Okay. So I, I decided eight o'clock last night that I, I wanted uh, a weed. <laughs> and it was really hard. I believe, you know, it's Chandler and, you know, homeowners associations. It was kind of hard to find a weed. I'm, it, I'm just serious. I mean, it, you, you never realize it till you want one. And uh, so I'm, I'm in my 350Z, shovel in the front seat, cruising the neighborhoods looking for a weed. I finally find one out on Gilbert Road, uh, in, kind of in a farm thing. 
So picture this, I've pulled over my Z on the side of the road, I'm shining my lights out on the edge of the farm, I'm out there with a shovel digging in the dark, I, people driving by, you know they're going, he's burying his wife. He's, that, because there's no way anyone's out there digging a weed, right? I mean, who would do that? So I'm, I'm digging on the side of the road, I finally, the hardest dirt you've ever seen, finally get the weed up, I get home, and now I'm putting it in a pot. And, and I think to myself, this is crazy. I'm planting a weed. I'm nurturing a weed. You get this exactly what Jesus says we do. That, that you and I as followers of him, in the midst of it, nurture our weeds. And he says, look, 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 if you do that, you'll, you'll never be my disciple. You'll, you'll never be a fully devoted follower of me if you keep nurturing the weeds. Because you, you, get, you get what the weed is, right? The weed's sin. See, cares of this world. It's, it's that thing. It's that, it's that one thing that you and I have said in our heart, look, look, I know that following Jesus means he's going to kind of probably clean me up a little bit. He's going to probably point to some things in my life and say, look, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be cussing like that anymore. And okay, maybe those are not the right meaning. And, and you get it, you know. You, my movie selection may change. And, you know, some, I mean, so you go, I, I get it. I get the following Jesus, but here's the deal. And here's what we've said in our heart. There's one. There, there's one that... <laughs> There's one, that, there's one that I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll go to my grave with that one undone. See, that's the plan. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep holding out on Jesus. I'm going to, you know, I'll let him do whatever weeding he needs to do in my life, but, but I'm going to go to my grave with the one. Or some of us would say, you know, all right, maybe not, but it'll be the last one. That'll, that'll be the last one that I let Jesus ever take out of my life. It's my weed. It's my sin. It's the care. It's my care in the world. And I don't know what it is, I, because the truth is it's different flavors for all of us. See, some of us in here go, Lynn, you don't even have to, it's lust. And I, I don't know, Lynn, I, I, I just think I was born a really good luster. It's apparently my spiritual gift. I mean, I, I, you know, other people lust, and then I lust. I I just got to be honest. I mean, I, I don't even know who I am if I don't lust. So it, it'll, it'll probably never be surrendered to Jesus. See, some of us in this room, you just be anger. You just say, look, look, here's the deal. I, I mean, I'm a pretty nice person. I'm, I'm a pretty good person until you push me to a certain spot. I mean, there's just a place that you take me, and then, and it's... It's ugly, but here's the deal. If they just wouldn't bug me, then it wouldn't happen. But you know. You know that it's out of control, and you know that there's no part of it that honors Jesus, and you know. But here's your answer. You can work on anything else, but my anger is my anger. It's your care in the world. It's the last thing you'll give up as a follower of Jesus. Some of us, it's pride. See, it's, I, I just like being the smartest person who walks in the room. I just like being the prettiest person who walks in. I just like being the most accomplished person. There's just something that fills me up to know I'm better than those people. 
pride. For, for some of us, it's, it's greed. We, we just go, look, I, there's something about my car being newer and my pile being bigger, and I, I just feel better about myself when I can buy the newest thing. And For some of us, it's a relationship that's just so totally out of bounds and so unbiblical, and now you're living together. And you just go, look here, I know, I know it's wrong, but I'm sealing the deal. And God, you can have every part of the part of my life, you just can't have my boyfriend. You just can't have my girlfriend. It's the weed. You ever tried to manage weeds? And here's what Jesus is saying in this moment. You try to manage weeds, and eventually weeds will manage you. you. You try to manage sin in your life. You try to say, hey, look, 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 God, you can do everything else, so you can, you know, but not that one. It will manage you. See, some of us sit in this room today, and we are well-manicured Christians. I mean, if you look at our lawn, our lawn looks good. We just got weeds on the side yard. And what Jesus is saying in the moment, you, you, will never be my, you will never be my disciple with weeds because you will never manage them. They will always end up managing you. I'm 12 years old, and comes time to mow the yard, and I head out into the backyard, and the grass had gotten up kind of high, and as I'm mowing across the lawn, I, I, there's this little patch. There's a patch of weeds kind of back tucked in the corner over by the swing set, and in that moment, I just decided I'll mow them down. Now, I knew, I knew, even though I was 12, I'd worked for my uncle in lawn care, and I, I knew I, what I really needed was a little bit of weed be gone. But I thought, no, I'll just, I'll just mow them down. Hey, when, when you mow weeds down, and they got that little thing at the top full of seeds, and now you run them through the mower, <laughs> Anybody want to guess what happens next? So I'm out in my backyard a couple weeks later. It's time to mow again. The grass is getting up a little bit. And I look and I go, well, by golly, the little patch of weeds over there by, it's swallowing the swing set. And I mow through them again. I'm going to, you ready? I'm going to manage the weeds. You, you know where this is going, right? I eventually walked in my back. Are you ready for this? I walked into my backyard, weeds to my chest across the whole backyard. Because here's the answer. You cannot manage weeds. They'll end up managing you. And, you, and whatever that sin is, whatever that thing is that you're saying, it'll be the last thing that I give to God. You know what Jesus is saying? It needs to be the first thing. See, more important than even mowing the yard, get the weed be gone. And you will not manage your weeds. They will end up managing you. And, and here's, what, here's what will happen, Jesus says. There will come the moment that this will so consume your life, this will spread so deeply, so widely, it will so begin to choke out 
every bit of Christian joy you've got in your heart, that there will come a day that you'll have to make a decision. You'll have to say, hey, I'm either, I'm, I'm either going to go for Jesus or not. And the weeds, the weeds will already have so much of you. You'll not even be able to imagine following me. Years ago, in a little church I was attending, decided to do a little play. It was called My Heart's Christ Home. And kind of the thesis of the play was simply this. They, they took kind of your life and, and, and they made it a house. And every, every room in the house, like the living room, represented your social life. And the rec room represented your uh, entertainment. And they, they just took every, every room and they just said, look, you realize Jesus wants to come be a guest in every single room of your house, and He wants to do whatever He needs to do in every single room. But maybe mostly, mostly, mostly of all, He wants to look in the closets. So let's be honest, any time you and I have guests there, what's the last place you want your guests to look? And Jesus says, you no, know, if you're going to be a disciple of me, guess where the first place I'm because it's where we keep our weeds. And here's what Jesus simply says, look, you can't be a follower of me and have weeds. So comes the question. How, how do you get to that abundant soil thing? I mean, remember the, the next one? The next one was the disciple. I mean, the next one gets here and Jesus says, man, it was 100-fold, it was 60-fold, it was 30-fold. How did that happen? By not being the other two soils. By not being the other two soils. And a matter of fact, Jesus is going to say something really, really, really startling that the only way that you'll ever, ever really be my disciple is to die to those. Go with me back. Go to the very first passage that we looked at together. Go back to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. This is where we began. Here's what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And look at the next verse. You ready? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for me will find it. And Jesus just simply says, look, here's the deal. Following me eventually leads to a cross, and it leads to a death. It's what it means to be my disciple. And guys, let's just be honest. That, that's terrifying for us. That, that scares you and me to death. Isn't it interesting that you and I are willing to do so little for the one who did so much? You get that when Jesus leads us to a cross, He leads us to a cross because He's already been there.
And guys, do you, do you forget the… I mean, you get what happens in that moment. You get what his first trip looked like. They, they take a cat of nine tails, and they whip him with that cat of nine tails, and guys, just before you make it too romantic, on those nine strips of leather on that whip, pieces of glass, pieces of metal. And, and, and he didn't whip in the Western way. You whipped by going across so that the bits of metal, the little metal balls would go and crack the ribs, and the bits of glass would make hamburger out of the back. And they whipped you 39 times because they believed that the 40th one killed. They take a crown of thorns, and they beat it into his head with rods. And then they stick nails. I can't even… What would that be like? And here's the deal. When they put you up on the cross, it was all about exposure, so that they leave you out there during the day in the heat of the sun, and they leave you up there at night while it's freezing cold. And, and that little picture we've got with Jesus with a towel on him, I want any towel. See, this was about humiliation. I want any little towels. And there were no potty breaks. And by the time you hang on the cross a while, it's… And Jesus is going to say to you and me, look, if you follow me, it leads to a cross. And, and you and I don't end up with nails, and He just simply says… You've got to be willing to die to yourself, which means if you're a rocky soil Christian, you've got to bring your rocks. You've got to bring all of your mistrust, and you've got to bring all of your stubbornness, and you've got to bring all of the, I'm smarter than you, God, and put it at the base of the cross. And, and, and if you're a, a weedy soil Christian, you've got to come and say, look, there, there is no sin. There, there, is, there is no thing in this world that I love more than I love you, and I will die to that. I, I'm not saving that for last. I'll give that first. And a disciple comes to the cross and says, and today, I die. I die. I die to my stubbornness, and I die to my favorite sin and I choose to follow. Let's pray. And guys, I, I just said we're going to be on a journey, and, and we're not going to ask you to make decisions yet. We, we're not going to ask you to be a disciple to you. Hear all that it takes. You get what Jesus is saying today. The biggest hindrance to you being a sold-out follower of me is you, and you will never be my disciple until there's a death in the family, until rocky soil Christians say, look, I, I am so done with my stubbornness, and I'm so done with my self-control and my self-rule, and I am not going to have parts of my life that I refuse to let Jesus be in charge of, and you bring your rocks to the foot of the cross and you die. 
It's the Christian who, who knows deep in his heart, I know this is a love issue because I am so in love with my sin. And I'll be honest, the mistress of my sin rivals my love for my Savior. And, and I've been telling myself, I'm going to manage this. I'm going I'm to control this. It'll control you. And disciples bring the weed. They, they, they take the one thing that has stolen their heart and they bring it to the cross and they die to it. You are the biggest thing in the way of you being a disciple. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come to you this morning. We're just done. We're, we're done giving so little to the one who gave so much. We're, we're done asking that this following you end up being something we can do from a lawn chair and that we can, we can do from the comfort. And we simply say, I will follow you. And I get it. I get it. I get that following Jesus leads to a cross and that, that I will die. I, I will die to my own ambitions. I will die to my own schemes. I will die to my own plans. I will die to my own sins. Gladly, gladly to follow my Savior. To be a disciple. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.